0: Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim. I want to here. talk to you today. How many of you guys, I'm going to ask a question, rhetorical or not, you're welcome to answer it, feel like maybe you walked into 2020 a little overconfident, <laughs> right? Like I can remember thinking at the beginning of 2020 into uh, 2019, this is going to be my year, right? This, ye- this year, 2020, I'm going to have vision like I've never had because everybody said that, right, because it was 2020 and we we came up with all this stuff and the things that we expected to do, the things we expected to see. And, and quite honestly, man, I, I walked into 2020 just, just like this. And about two weeks in, I was like this. But you know what? God's still in control. It doesn't matter what the expectation was. It may have, you may have expected that 2020 was going to be the year that you did insert whatever it is here. But you know what? I don't think 2020 was for you to insert whatever it is right here. It's for God to show you where you should be inserted. And so God deserves to be praised for that. But regardless, 2020 has been tough. I want to walk through some of the stuff that, that we saw at the, this, this incredible year. If you're from Wilson County you, or not, if you're anywhere from Tennessee, you know that at the beginning of the year we had a tornado blow through Wilson County. Several tornadoes. And it wasn't just a little tornado, and it didn't just hit a small piece of the county. It started at one end of the Wilson County, went right through the middle of Wilson County, and into the next county. And destroyed everything that it touched. Almost completely, if not completely. I have friends that still are rebuilding. Or some of them haven't even started building. I have a pastor friend of mine who never got out of his house, got a direct hit on his house, got his family just seconds before the tornado hit into the crawl space of his house and had to dig his way out from under a tree to free his family. I'd guarantee you he didn't have that in his vision preaching for 2020. And it destroyed everything. But you know what? We had opportunity. Lebanon was going to stand strong. Angela and I actually have shirts that say Lebanon Strong on them because they sold them. they made them and sold them to raise money for people who had their house messed up. And so we stood strong. We, We committed to going and helping wherever we could, do whatever we could. Several of us boarded buses for a week or two at a time and moved bricks and concrete and all that kind of stuff. And to just see the destruction across our county was heartbreaking. And I thought, well, man, at least we got the bad stuff out of the way early. Right? We we didn't, just so you all know. Then COVID hit. And I don't know what you think about it, what political side of the aisle you're on, or if you have a political view or a medical view or a scientific view or some rendition of a mixture of all of those things, because that's what it seems to be. People that, well, I'm not going to get into all that. (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to make myself mad. <laughs> but, but the fact of the matter is, COVID took a great deal from us. People have died. People have been sick. People have lost their jobs. Small businesses have shut down. We shut the whole country down. This was supposed to be the next. Spanish flu, we were going to see millions of people dead. And so we we became paralyzed with the shutting down of our society. And as bad as all of those things are, and they're horrible, the repercussion, the consequence of those shutdowns are still being felt. Small businesses are shutting down, but worse than that, Did you know alcoholism is at an all-time high? Pornography use is at an all-time high? Suicide is at an all-time high? Mental depression is at an all-time high? Everything that people, so many people, had been able to put away out of their life, those private sins, came back to them when they had too much time in private. And although we're still dealing with that, I thought surely it can't get any worse than this. And then in the midst of that, while that's going on, racial tension. You see Black Lives Matter, you see Antifa, you see the toppling of statues, the destruction of, of property that didn't belong to, to the people that were destroying it. You saw anarchy at its finest, lawlessness at its finest. You saw destruction of government purposefully to prove a point that we've all yet to really understand. And then the presidential election, the hotly contested and debated presidential election who won it who cares well I do but I'm not gonna talk about that from up here but you know what in all of that God is in control we think we're over all of that we're still dealing with that and then Christmas morning somebody decides to blow up an RV in downtown Nashville It just seems to get worse and worse and worse. You know, Pastor Jim, it's supposed to be a hopeful message, man. We're moving into the next year. I'm getting there. You know, you can't realize how good you got it until you realize how bad it's been. All of these things have happened. So many deaths, so much destruction, so much addiction. So much bitterness, so much turmoil, civil unrest. But God made us a promise. Did you hear me? It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. God gave us a promise. This is the promise that he gave us. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives it do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fears- fearful. Did you catch that? Like these are one of those verses that you read all the time and because it's become commonplace for you, you don't pay attention to it. You've allowed complacent or a familiarity to breed complacency in you. And you don't understand that Jesus Christ Himself has made you a promise that you can hold on to when your life and your world is upside down. Our life and our world is upside down, but it doesn't change the truth of God's Word. Not one little bit that He is still sovereign. He is still in control. He is still providential, which means His timing is still perfect. He didn't. Nothing happened this year, last year, next year, or ten years from now It's caused God to sit back on his throne, rub his chin, and say, I did not see that coming. Jesus, in his farewell dissertation, when he he said he was leaving, his farewell discourse said this, Peace, I leave with you. Now you need to understand, he's been walking with his disciples for several years, and he's just told them, I'm about to be out of here, I'm leaving. This is the worst possible thing. News they can hear. This is breaking news. Judea. 32 B.C. Or A.D. I'm leaving. But. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And with that Holy Spirit. You're going to have peace. Because. You're going to see tough times. It's going to be rough. But I'm going to leave you with peace. Not just any peace. My peace. His peace. I want you to think about that for a minute because it'll blow your mind if you can grab a hold of it. Do you know Jesus has never been stressed about anything? He's never been at a place where he had no peace. He left us with His peace, which means perfect peace, which means peace that's never known stress. And then He sent that peace to live inside of us so that we too can never know stress because of the hope that we have. That hope that by the power of the Holy Spirit has sealed us to show us that that peace is real. Man, that's powerful stuff right there. it has got my heart racing a little bit. He says... Peace I leave with you, peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Not not like the world, like your consequence or your circumstance matters, because it doesn't. Look to your left, look to your right, man. The world is upside down. And the world is determined to base its peace, its comfort, its understanding, on what it can see and touch and feel. But we don't. Even when I don't feel it, I'm at peace. You know why? Because I have the Spirit of God living inside of me. And it says that He gave it to me. And if the all-powerful God gives you something, then nothing except the all-powerful God can take it back from you. Now, that doesn't mean you can't give it up. But it's your possession, your right, Part of your inheritance is the peace of God. So it doesn't matter how naively you walked into 2020 or how maybe naive you are walking into 2021. God is still God. God is still providential. God still made a promise. God is still sovereign. He still sees you, He still holds you in his righteous right hand. He still has your name carved in that hand. He still knows the numbers of hairs on your head or the lack of them. Peace I leave you with. I want you to have peace today, but I don't not just today, every day. So 2020's been a rough year. But God. God made a promise to us. And in that promise. I see three things. And I, I see these three things. I see several things. I'm going to talk about three of them. And I'm going to teach out of Exodus today. Chapter 14 specifically. If you're not familiar with 14. It's the beginning of the. The. uh story about i hate to hesitate to use the word story because it's history but it's the beginning of the historical account of the parting of the red sea and the first thing i want to tell you today that 2020 was tough but god provides rescue can you hear me is this thing on but God provides rescue. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Nothing is too big for God. I'm going to say that again. Nothing is too big for God. Have you guys ever had a Red Sea moment? And this is what I mean by that. It seems like you've got no place to go. No way you can turn. There's death at your front. There's death at your back. There's death to your left and your right. It doesn't matter what decision you make. It seems like it's not going to end well for you. Has anyone ever had a Red Sea moment like that? I have. I've had a bunch of them. But can I tell you, God is still a God that rescues His people? Why me? Is the question I hear all the time. My question is, why not you? You're supposed to have the peace of God. If it's going to happen to anybody, it's going to happen to you. It should happen to you because you can reflect the glory of God the best in your circumstance. Has it occurred to anyone that it may be possible that the situation that you're in, God puts you in so that he can show the world his glory through you? Now that goes against a lot of people's doctrine. God's not going to put anything on you. Tell that to Jonah. Tell that to Job. He allows trial in your life so that he can show himself glorious. How are you passing that test? I never read this... Or It's not a correction. I've never read my Bible. That's not what I meant. I've never read the passage I'm about to read you like I've read it this week. And it showed me something I had not seen before. For 14, 1 through 4 says this. Now the Lord spoke to Moses. You got to catch that. The Lord spoke to Moses. Moses is going to speak to the people. Saying, tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp before Pi-Hahiroth, between Migdal and the sea. You shall camp in front of the baal opposite it, by the sea. Wait, what? You know why You know why we don't pay attention to that verse? It's got too many weird words in it. Right, we're all, tell the people, boobity-boop. All right. But can I tell you what that says? That says that God told them to go to where it looked like they would face certain death. God placed them in the position they were in. And then he goes and explains why he did it. He said, For Pharaoh will say to the sons of Israel, They are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. He said, I want you to do that because Pharaoh is going to be talking smack about me. He's going to be talking trash like I can't take care of my people. Thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after them. And I will be honored through the Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And they did so. I need y'all to grab a hold of that. Because some of y'all think, man, I can't believe the devil did me like this. Maybe God did this to you to get the devil out of you so the devil can't do something to you tomorrow. I need you to understand, like I've said since we started, God does everything that He does for His glory. Your salvation is less for you and more for the glory of God. So that through your life, He might be glorified. So that your enemies will be put to shame. Did you know there's people right now walking around talking trash about you? Like Pharaoh was talking trash about the Moses and the Israelites, the Hebrews? How are you treating them? How obedient are you being to God? And how will that play out to show the glory of God through you to them? Because who knows, maybe you showing the glory of God through yourself to them might bring them to a place where they're no longer talking trash about you, but they're glorifying the same God you're glorifying. Y'all become brothers and sisters, and this whole thing changes for everybody. I'm preaching good today. Y'all need to come on. He will take care of you. But you need to understand that He's still God. He is faithful. And even when He allows something to happen to you, even when there is a trial in your life, He will provide an avenue of escape. This is scripture I'm reading, I'm telling you. Say something, I didn't sit in my office yesterday and go, that'll sound good on Twitter. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. So first off, you ain't dealing with nothing that the last generation didn't deal with. You're just dealing with something different. Get over yourself. You're not that big a deal. God showed himself faithful in the last generation. He's going to show himself faithful in this generation. He's going to show himself faithful in the next generation. That's why I can't stand to hear people dog the next generation. Them generation zeros or whatever they call them. I don't know. They ain't never going to count to nothing. Well, that's because you're telling them they ain't never going to count to nothing. I'm getting a little sidetracked. But y'all need to put that out of your mouth. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. Everybody say God is faithful. God is faithful. Let me try that again. I want you to say God is faithful only if you think God is faithful. God is faithful. Okay, maybe we can say it if we believe it like we actually believe it. God is All right, because there ain't nothing worse than God is faithful. <laughs> who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also. So that you will be able to endure it. God in his faithfulness doesn't promise to keep you from the trial. This verse is mistaught that way. He is saying that in the trial he will provide an escape opportunity for you. You know the difference between... Removing you from something and providing an opportunity for you to remove yourself from something. He's promising opportunity for you to remove yourself from something. And I'm in this mess. I can't get out of this mess. Well, here, how about this? I, I lost my job. I got no money. God opens the door, provides an avenue of escape, allows you to take care of your family, gives you... Opens up three jobs. Pick which one you want. Well, I make more money on welfare. than you're not taking the avenue you were given. It's not, God's not going to bless your complacency. Why would he? God wasn't complacent on your behalf. Why would you be complacent and glorifying him? Oh, come on. But he promises an avenue of escape. Even when there's death by the sword in the front or death by drowning in the back. He's faithful to fulfill his promise. Mm. I'm about to to get saved in here. How do I get there? How can I just get to a place where I know God's going to rescue me? i tell you by being willing to make a declaration of him in public and to seek him diligently in private there's two verses three verses actually in this chapter that have always kind of messed me up they they blown my mind a little bit because it seems like there should be verses in between i've never taught on this because i never could figure out quite how to do it but so I, I just, I'm just going to put it in here because I think it's relevant. Listen to these verses. 13, 14, and 15. But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. What? What is Moses saying? Now, he's speaking against what's obvious. He's speaking against the physical. He's speaking against the turmoil that they're seeing, the death, the destruction that they're seeing. And he's declaring boldly, confidently, in public to over a million people, I need you to trust God to rescue you. He will take care of you. He will not forsake you. He's going to ensure that he sees you through till tomorrow. All I expect you to do is be silent. That's Moses speaking. That's bold talk. That's awful bold talk for a one-eyed fat man. Right? Uh, that's a movie quote so he declares this publicly and then something happens in verse 15 then the Lord said to Moses why are you crying out to me tell the sins of the sons of Israel to go forward wait what did y'all catch all that in public, he proclaims him. He proclaims him in public and seeks him in private. So he's already been given a vision that God's going to free his people and that God's going to bring them into the promised land. And so on that vision, he makes declarations. Just do what you're supposed to do. Trust God. If I had a message for you guys today, it would be just move forward. Trust God. Expect Him to fulfill His promise over your life. Be silent. Don't whine. Don't complain. Expect Him to do what He said He will do because He's not a liar. We're going to do it. We're going we're to do it. It's going to be amazing. God's going to show out. Lives are going to be changed. Chains are going to be broken. Diseases are going to be cursed. All of these things. This is what we declare publicly. And then we do this. Whew. Because you guys have got to remember, Moses is just a dude. From time to time, between the time he did that, he did what leaders do, which is to bring hope to people. He scurried off to his tent and he got down on his face and he said, God, are you sure about this, man? I've done, I've said everything you've told me to say. I've said everything, I've done everything you told me to do. Are you sure about this? This doesn't make any sense. God said, just move forward. Stop crying out to me. Be true to the vision. I'll rescue you. I'll provide an avenue of escape for you. Trust me. This is literally how I live my life. This is my life. And I want it to be yours. People around the church know, like the elders and whatnot, I operate on a 70-30 principle. Which means I pray through until I'm about 70% sure. And then I trust God with the 30%. They're all, Pastor Jim, don't you want to keep praying until you get 100%? Well, what I need faith for 100%? I got to have faith for something. I was absolutely confident, 100% confident what I was supposed to do. Why would I need faith? I wouldn't be on my face all the time asking God, are you sure about this? Can you breathe new vision into me? Can you show me I'm heading in the right direction? This is how we started the church. I gave up a livelihood. I should have retired this year from law enforcement. But we moved on 70%. Believing in 30% God was going to show out. And he has. Every step of the way. As I shuffle back to my tent. God are you sure about this? Shuffle back to my tent. God are you sure about this? God are you sure about this? And every time. God says. Just do what I told you. I'm going to provide an avenue of escape for you. I'm going to provide for you. Just do what I said. Some of y'all need to hear that word today. Because you question what you're doing. Am I sure I'm supposed to do this? Are you at least 70% sure you're supposed to do this? Because God will work in miracles into 30%. That's just my rule. It might be 30-70 for (laughs) y'all. I wouldn't recommend it. But 70-30 is my rule. And God has been faithful. All he expects us to do is put in the work. And that's what he did. Moses gets up from his bunk or pallet or whatever they slept on back in the day. And he stepped outside of his tent. I believe he was as confident then as he was when he made the declaration to the people. He grabbed his staff. Aaron come running up beside him. I'm making that up, but it doesn't actually say that. Aaron says, what are you doing? He goes, I'm going to... Put this staff in the water. Guys are going to park this sea. And he goes, <laughs> he goes yes, yes, I'm sorry, man. you go, you going to do what? This is how I see it playing out in my head. Because it doesn't make any sense. He said, I'm just supposed to do what I'm supposed to do. Guys going to do what he's supposed to do. And he sticks his staff in the water. And it didn't happen like you see it on TV. Where the waters went. It says specifically. An east wind blew. All night. Dividing the waters. It's always. It's always made me wonder. How is the Pharaoh. This is so I only tell this because it's how magnificently. God takes care of us. You got a group of a million people. That's no small crowd. You ever wonder how God divides the Red Sea? A million people who were close enough to the Pharaoh and Pharaoh's armies to be seen are able to break down camp, move through the Red Sea without being seen. How come when they saw him breaking it down, he didn't go kill them right then? Because the Bible says that there was a cloud That followed them. That that led them during the day. And a pillar of fire at night. And it says that that cloud. Moved. From between them and the Red Sea. Turned into a cloud of fire. uh, Between them and Pharaoh. And have you ever tried to look. Past a fire and see anything. You can't. God blinded. The eyes of the enemy so that his people might escape. That's so good. And then he did something cool because remember, he made a promise to them. You're not going to see them anymore. He lifted that cloud of fire just in time to bait them into chasing them. Which means they weren't all the way through it yet. But they had enough time. Pharaoh's army goes charging in. The waters come crashing down. And guess what? Guess what happened? They never saw them again. That's so good. Why do I tell you that? Because the same God that provided an avenue of escape for them wants to provide an avenue of escape for you. 2020 has been a tough year. But God Provides escape. But God provides resource. Which is my second point. Resources have been scarce for a lot of people this year. Resources were especially scarce for the Hebrews in in the desert. You know why they call it a desert? Because it's desolate. Because there's nothing there. Any of y'all ever been in a desert? Desert. I'm not talking about seeing a picture of one. I'm talking about actually being in one where for miles and miles and miles around, there's nothing but sand and rocks and dirt. That's what they were in. They looked like there was no hope for them. And so they voiced their opinion. They say, did you bring us out here to die? We had pots of meat in Egypt. What's the deal? Did you save us from the Egyptians just to have us die? The guy said, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to resource you. And he gave them water. Where there was no water. He said, go here. He didn't just give them water. The Bible says it was sweet water. That, according to fifteen twenty five. Fifteen twenty seven it says that they moved to a place where there were dates. So he gave them water, he gave them fruit. In sixteen four he provided them bread or manna. In twelve through thirteen of chapter sixteen, he provided them meat in the form of quail. In a world in an environment that is too hostile for life, God provides water. God provides dates. God provides bread. God provides meat. And we think that He can't take care of us. What? <laughs> he supernaturally took care of them. And God has done the same thing for us this year. He promises to do the same thing for us next year and next year and the year after that and the year after that until he comes and takes us home or we go to heaven. He is a resourcer of his people. I praise God for that. That he gave the basic sustenance of life. But there's something that I need you to understand. That he did that supernaturally in the Old Testament, but also does that supernaturally through the church in the New Testament. Did I say Old Testament or New Testament a minute ago? Anyway. Listen to this verse Psalms 37 35 says, I have been young and now am old, but I have never seen a righteous person abandoned or his descendants begging for bread. God provided for His people in the Old Testament. He uses His people to provide for His people in the New Testament. Did you hear what I said? There have been times in my life where I needed $100. You know what God didn't do? Not that He wasn't capable. He didn't manifest a $100 bill on my kitchen table. You know what He did do? He had His Spirit tell another believer... Call Jim Kubik. Tell him you have an extra $100 in your pocket. And for whatever reason, you want him to have it. That's exactly what happened. Every time there's a need, I'm not talking about a want. If you're looking for God to fulfill your wants, you're wanting the wrong thing. God may give you just enough to keep you chasing. It's like my wife when we were dating. She wouldn't, she wouldn't make out with me. She wouldn't do nothing. She'd just come over and hang out, give me a little kiss, and then leave. You know what I did? I chased her. Chased her like I've never chased another woman in my whole life. Maybe God's just giving you enough to cause you to chase him. Why am I telling you that? Because you're the church. You have a responsibility to be the resource of God in the life of other people. We had an opportunity just, well, today. There's a family in our community whose church burned to the ground. They don't come to our church. Their family member goes to our church. And although it wasn't much because the church should be the resource for God's people, we were able to give them $1,000 to buy the necessities they needed until the insurance caught up to them because of your generosity. And that kind of stuff happens all the time. People say, I don't need to go to church. You need to go to church. They go, I'm a Christian. I don't need to be to church. You need to be in church to be a good one. You need to be in church to be one that does what God calls you to do. Did you know you can't can't do the one another statements unless you're in the church? The Bible says do not forsake the assembling of one another as is the habit of some. Pray for one another, love one another, encourage one another, provoke one another to good works. All this happens in the confines of the church, but I'm just going to stay home. If you've got a health problem or something like that and you have to stay home, stay home. Let me tell you, there's a special blessing in the fellowship of God's people. I've never wanted or begged for bread since I've known Jesus. Because God has always taken care of me through his people. That's good. And like I said, he... Just like the avenue of escape for the Hebrews. He did it for them. He can do it for you. Resource, he did it for them. He can do it for you. Acts 10.34 says this. Opening his mouth, Peter said. I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. That's one of the best promises in the scripture to me. I look at people and we're all resourced differently. We're all gifted differently. But we serve the same God. And he tells us that he shows no partiality. I don't care if you wore a suit to church today. If it was all you could do to put on a pair of flip-flops, a t-shirt, and an old pair of shorts. I praise God that you're in the house today. Because what God does for one, he'll do for all. Amen? 2020 has been a rough year. But God has provided an escape for us. But God has provided a resource for us. And God has provided rest for us. He tells the Israelites, and I keep saying Israelites, they weren't in Israel yet, the Hebrews, in Exodus 16, 29 through 30, he essentially tells them, be sure to take your Sabbath. I'm not going to talk to you today about the Sabbath. I'm going to talk to you about the purpose for the Sabbath, which is rest. God gives us rest. When we are confident in the truth that God is a rescuer and a resourcer, rest that's only brought by peace. Is the ultimate outcome of those things. I love this verse. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me all who are weary. And heavy laden. And I will give you. Rest. Did you hear that? Come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. To feel weary means fatigued. Feeling as though you can't move forward. Heavy burden, literally means overburdened with the troubles of life. So you could ask that question like this. Come to me, all you who are fatigued, feeling so fatigued that you don't feel like you can move forward. Come to me, all of you who are heavy laden, who are overburdened with the troubles that you have going on in your life. Come to me, is what he said and I will give you rest. You know who said that? Jesus. You know why Jesus said that? Because Jesus is the only way we can have it. And the only reason we have it. All the things that we've talked about today are a direct result of our relationship with Jesus. He is our way of escape. He provided a way of escape for us by coming here, by atoning for our sins, by buying us back from the slave market of sin and making us His own children by the shedding of His blood, by becoming sin, so that instead of wrath, we could receive mercy. I can't fathom such a love. A God that desires an escape for me so much that He's willing to ensnare Himself. But that's the God that we serve. That's the God that we serve. Without Jesus, there's no resource that matters. The story's full of people that filled their barns, but it did them no good when they were gone. Our resource, the thing that we should be focusing on, is whatever we were given that we might give to others so that at the end of the day they may have the resource of eternal life that we have. And in all of those things, let me tell you what happens in those things in my life anyway. When I really meditate on all of these things, I sit in my chair at home or lay face first on my carpet and I go, rest caused by peace a peace that only he can give and no one has the right or ability to take from you my prayer for you coming out of 2020 and into 2021 is that you keep these truths in mind because 2021 isn't promised to be a better year 2022 isn't promised to be a better year. We pray that it is, but it's not promised. God is providential. He'll tell us what goes on. and He's sovereign. He's in control. But regardless, you know what I can expect? Him to provide an avenue of escape. For Him to resource me. And for Him to give me rest. Until my escape is home. My resource is heaven. And then my rest is in His presence. put it back into perspective let's walk over confidently into 2021 but for the right reasons I love you guys I'm up here because I want you to have the same peace that I have because I want you to understand the same truth that I feel, that I know and it's not something that God gives to pastors There's no special revelation for pastors. There is, however, special revelation for people that will seek His face. And I pray rest over you. Escape over you. And resource over you. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, it's exactly what I intend to do. God, I ask that you make us fully aware of who you are. God, that you show us that you are our escape, that you are our resource, that you are our rest, that all that you expect us to do is to move forward, to put our staff in the water and trust that whatever enemy may surround us, we will see them at some point no more. God, I thank you for that. If there's any person in this room, God, that doesn't know what that means, doesn't know what that feels like, by the supernatural power of your Holy Spirit, may you lay heavily on them right now. May they come to a true understanding that you love them, that you seek after them, that you desire them. God, if there's any person in this room that doesn't know those things because they don't know you, I pray that same prayer, that you send the Holy Spirit to them to provoke them, to drive them, to seek your face, to seek your escape from an eternal damnation. We praise you, God. I thank you because your word is true. I think that's enough. And we thank you because your word is true. Because your word is true, everything we've spoken of, we can have confidence in it. We pray over our 2021. But God, we just expect to meet you there. We thank you and we praise you. We worship you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.